Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us for this time today. We hope that this message will encourage you, build your faith, and help you thrive with God and thrive in life. Now to the message. I'm so excited that I get to kick off our new series called Stressed. Yes, that's right. We are talking about stress for the next few weeks. And I don't know a human on the planet that has not, at least in some point in their life, experienced stress. And some of us may be stressed on a daily basis. So I believe that this is going to be a practical helpful, life-transforming series that you will look back on as foundational for your life. And I'm just so excited that I get to, to share with you as part of this. Let me paint a picture for you. Okay, so you have work and you've got this major deadline coming up tomorrow. So much work still to do. On top of that, your child's daycare just called you again, that there is a COVID outbreak in the kids again, and they are closing day home, and your kid has to stay home while you work from home again. On top of that, you're having people over for dinner this weekend. You have no plan. You not only do not only have a plan, you haven't even shopped for it. Oh my gosh, on top of that, you have a mother who is not feeling very well and refuses to go to the doctor to get help. Oh my gosh, your muscles are starting to tense, your breathing's starting to pick up, your thoughts are in your head are starting to go to not pleasant places, people are starting to try and avoid you because you're snapping at them. This is stress. Now maybe not all of those pieces, maybe only parts of it, or maybe you're not in that part of your life. Maybe it's like your dog ate the chocolate under the sink again and you need to take them to the vet and pay a huge bill. I don't know what your stress is. But all of us, most of us, have been there. It happens to everyone. And today we're going to spend some time looking at what stress is, what to do about it, and what God's Word says about how to manage our stress so the effects do not weigh us down and crush us. And because of that, you know what, I love when I'm preparing for sermons, I love looking at different research that's been done because I love that the world spends time and resources and money to get statistics to confirm things that are true about the word of God. And that's what I found as I went through my research here is that really there are practical truths that the world is being told about that really is just founded on the word of God. And so some of the, this first part that I'm going to go through, I found on the BC, that's right, British Columbia Mental Health website. There's a whole Canadian division, and it defines stress. If you are taking notes, this is it. We are both going to use this definition, but stress is your body and mind's response to demands being placed on it. Stress is your body and mind's response to demands being placed on you. And when you and I feel threatened, there's this thing that happens that your brain releases chemicals or hormones that send these like alarm signals through your body and through your mind. And these hormones prepare your body for action. Now, it can start with like making your skin getting a little bit sweaty, your breath is getting quickened, your heart rate starts to go up, your muscles are more tense and your senses come alive. Now, this is a beautiful response that God wired into us. And our ancestors back in the day, this stress response would come like maybe when a bear comes to eat their food, 
okay? And it's this fight or flight response where you're like, I got to either run from this thing or I got to get fighting against this guy so that I can protect my family and my food. That is where the stress response first came from. It makes perfect sense, this fight or flight. But unfortunately, most of our threats in modern day today, like workloads or family, et cetera, et cetera, you don't just get to fight them off like a bear and walk away from it. These modern-day threats that so many of us are dealing with become chronic, and they're in our face constantly. And it can start to hurt us more than help us, like our ancestors that just fought off the bear. Good news, I got my food, and all is well. Stress goes back down. Now, in my preparation, now this is modern-day conversation because I don't know anyone in here that's fought a bear, and if you have, you should talk to me after the service because that's pretty cool. But in modern day, the research found that the most common sources of stress, first is your phys- could be your physical environment. This can be anything. It can raise your stress levels when you hear like traffic, really loud noises, maybe you're your uh, kids screech at the top of their lungs like my son who's going through the dino phase right now. Oh my gosh. Maybe it's sirens that keep you up at night or barking dog or this really annoying neighbor that blasts their music. These physical, this physical environment. Or maybe like me, the messy house. I think Bruno's in the house. He's a cleaner like me. You can't have a messy house. The physical environment just drives me crazy and the stress starts to rise. So it is true. So one of the other common stressors can be family and relationships, marital disagreements, unhealthy relationships, rebellious teens, emotional toddlers, caring for an ill family member, caring for a child with special needs. These can send our stress levels skyrocketing. Another common stressor in today's world can be work, an ever-present source of stress in so many people's lives. Work stress such as job dissatisfaction, exhausting workload, insufficient pay, office politics, conflict between your boss or your coworkers. The other common um, stressor is life situations. So this can be anything from harassment, discrimination, poverty, financial pressure, isolation, job loss. These affect our quality of life. And then the final one that was presented in the research is major life changes. This can be having a baby. It can be changing careers. It can be moving to a new home or to a new place, a new province. I know we have lots of new people that have moved from different provinces to Alberta, to Calgary. And these place stress on you. No matter how positive the event is in your life, it can create stress. Now, what do we need to know about stress? Because obviously, I hope that you can maybe see yourself in one or two of these. What do we need to know about stress? There is good news on the other side of it. And we have hope in our Christian walk. But in, so I'm going to go through a few bullet points here. But what you need to know about stress is that small amounts of stress, it's good for you. Did you know that? Good stress gets us out of bed in the morning. Did you know that? The, the hormone that we need is cortisol, and it's the hormone that says, okay, your alarm went off. Don't press snooze again. Get out of bed. Let's get to it. Let's reach our potential. Let's figure things out today. That is good stress, and that helps us to, and motivates us to move forward in life. 
But when that's out of whack, when that's out of balance, it sends us to too weighty of a place. Stress is also very individual. What stresses me out doesn't stress Maureen out probably. You know, what stresses out Cole probably doesn't stress me out and vice versa. And it's, I found this a very interesting statement and stick with me till the end. But one of the points was that it's important to know that stress itself is not a mental illness. But when stress keeps piling up and it starts to take over our life and starts to make you feel worse rather than motivating you, it can harm your mental health and your well-being. Stress affects most of us. In this Canadian poll, sadly, it said one quarter of Canadians said they feel quite a bit stressed or extremely stressed most days. Oh my goodness. Stress affects people very differently. I found it interesting that women are more likely to report feeling stressed than men. Interesting. Men and women affect, uh, reported different kinds of stress. Women were more likely to react to stress that is chronic, like time constraints, or meeting other people's expectations, or marital relationships, children, family, health. Whereas men were reporting feeling more affected, interestingly, by work-related stressors like change in job, a demotion, a pay cut, financial difficulties. In this study, youth are doing more today, balancing more things, friends, jobs, responsibility, extracurriculars, the list goes on and on. And in one survey, about 14% of youth Canadian, Canadians felt stressed on most days. How sad is that? People with chronic illnesses can experience this overwhelming stress because they worry about their illness, their treatments, and the effect their illness might have on themselves and those around them. Now, my final piece of research, and just listen to see if this is part of, of your life, but signal, your stress will make, send signals to you. Let me say that again. Stress sends signals to your body. It can make changes in your body, like your muscles always feeling tense, that's a sign of stress. Your breathing or heart rate being quicker, having headaches or stomach aches chronically, seeing changes in your sleep or your appetite, feeling tired all the time, even when you've had a full night's rest. Changes in your actions, maybe it's using alcohol, cigarettes, drugs, overeating to cope. You find yourself withdrawing from others, and not in the withdrawing way, like you're an introvert and you need to remove yourself so that you rejuvenate, but withdrawing because you're like, no, I just can't even do people. I can't even put myself in that stressful situation. Maybe you're drinking more coffee, that would be mine for sure. Maybe you lose your patience with people, also mine. Maybe avoiding situations that could even be remotely stressful. Changes in your emotions. Your emotions are different than they used to be. You feel worried or irritable and unable to cope. And finally, changes in your thinking, having trouble concentrating or remembering or making decisions. Your thoughts start to race, you've lost your confidence. You have a negative attitude towards yourself and your life. And what was so hopeful is that learning to identify these changes that stress produces can help you better manage that stress. That is hope. 
Now, why would I spend so much time up here of my sermon bringing up definitions and statistics and what happens to us and what changes take place? Because I really wanted to lay a solid foundation about what stress is so that at no point during my message you feel like I'm minimizing your stress or not acknowledging that it is completely real because it is very, very real. And as I've opened this up, I hope that maybe you could have seen maybe one of three things happen to you. Maybe you can identify with a few things that I've said and it makes you feel seen and affirms how you're feeling. Or maybe I'm talking and you're like, wow, I had no idea that this was happening to me and could be related to stress. Or maybe you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, that's been going on for a long time. I've been living in chronic stress for a very long period of time. And today I'm hoping and believing that it will be the start of turning that ship in another direction so that you can break free from the effects of stress on your life. Because as we've learned already, avoiding stress is both unrealistic and unhelpful. We need a certain level of stress, right? To reach our potential, to accomplish things, to get out of bed in the morning. But the effects of stress on us do not need to be overwhelming. They do not need to be the heavy burden that they are for so many people today. And that's what this series is about According to God's word, discovering how do we manage our stress? How do we keep ourselves from being overstressed? And when we are in that place of overstress, what does, what's God's way? Because his way always leads to life. Today, I'm going to speak on the subject of shifting our perspective through praise. Shifting your perspective through praise. Now, before, before you go, oh, okay, great, that's a beautiful Christian answer. Of course, I've got to praise the Lord, oh my soul. I don't want you to just turn off. Like I said, my heart is to affirm your stress, but speak simple truths about how praise can transform your situation. It can cut through the areas that seem hopeless in your life. And it is not just a Christian answer to real-life problems, but in fact, God is so simple, so practical in the action plans that he gives us to live our absolute best life. Now, my final piece, I'm going to read it straight from how I found it because it was mind-blowing to me. This is from the Heart and Stroke Foundation, and it talks about stress. It says, when you and I are confronted with a challenging event, you and I mentally evaluate the situation, searching for ways to resolve the conflict. As you try to deal with the event, you mobilize your coping skills. If you find that you can successfully cope with a situation, you don't see it as stressful. Mind-blowing. If you conclude that the circumstance outweighs your ability to cope, you may move into a stress response. Get this, your perceptions, this is still the quote, perceptions, thoughts, and actions can make all the difference in turning bad stress into good. Sometimes your interpretation of a stressor can magnify its impact, making it feel even more stressful than it really is. This was unbelievable to me to read. Uh, let me say it again. If you find you can successfully cope with a situation, you won't see it as stressful. Come 
on. What a simple but powerful truth. And this is why God urges us to praise him. Because when we choose to praise and rejoice and adore him in the midst of a stressful situation, we're saying, God, I don't have the coping skills to deal with this challenge, this situation, but you do. We enact the power of the God of the impossible to breathe into that situation. We are activating the part of your brain that only God can touch. Therefore, decreasing our stress because it becomes not just about your coping skills or what we possess, but it becomes about God's coping skills. Come on. So what happens specifically when we praise? We're going to go through the word. I've got four points here. One, when we praise God, it shifts our focus. We can become so focused on the difficulties and our stress that it can become so difficult to see a way out. It can feel like we're in a sinking ship without a paddle or a life jacket. Praise, though, shifts us from a place where we may feel like we're sinking to a place of hope. Praise shifts our focus onto Jesus and who he is instead of our focus on our pain, our stress, and the anxiety of our worries. Psalm 34, 3-4, it says, O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me. He delivered me from all of my fears. Magnify the Lord. Praise is not burying our heads in the sand to the problems of life, nor is it minimizing the stress and just hoping that it goes away. Rather, it's positioning you. It's positioning you for the God of the impossible to equip you with what you need to overcome the stress you're encountering. Psalm 34, it tells us he hears your praise and he delivers you from your fears. So whatever we bring before God and whatever we magnify before him, he hears us and he delivers us from it. There is something to be said from removing ourselves from our own despair and our own suffering and our own stress. And I don't know about you guys, but if I sit there and I ask why too much, which is my natural response when I'm stressed, to ask why is this happening? What's going on, Lord? I start to become bitter and overwhelmed. And I can be on the depressed side and angry way too quickly. But there is never a time that I've come and rejoiced and praised and continued asking those questions. It stops them in their tracks and instead focuses on the answer himself, which is Jesus. So first off, it shifts our focus. Second, praise invites his presence. Psalm 22.3, I didn't give it to these guys, so don't freak out, but it says he inhabits the praises of his people. He inhabits it. He lives there. He looks for it. God dwells close to us when we praise him. And you know what? Wherever God inhabits, there is freedom. There is wholeness. There is refreshing. There is renewal. And our spirits, as we praise, are refreshed and renewed in his presence. We're strengthened by his peace and refueled by the joy that comes. Through a heart of praise, we can realize that God doesn't just change our situations and help us work through the problems, giving us coping skills. 
He changes our hearts and lives right there where we're at. So he shifts our focus. Praise invites his presence. Praise, the third thing is praise makes the enemy flee. It pushes back. It has the ability to push back darkness, to block the attacks that are trying to come over us by the enemy. And there's so many stories of how praise does this in the word. But one that's so amazing is in the story of Jehoshaphat and where we see God miraculously defeat the enemy because of people's obedience to praise him. In 2 Chronicles 20.22, it shows us what happened. It says, Now when they began to sing and praise and to praise, now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. That is what praise can do. It mobilizes God to defeat our enemies and just puts us in a position where we just need to keep praising, keep walking alongside of him, and our enemy, we will see it be defeated before us. Finally, praise paves the way for God's power and miracles to be displayed. God shakes things up through praise. There's an encounter in the New Testament with Paul and Silas in Acts where they are in prison. Talk about stress. They are shackled and they are chained and they kept praising God. God brought an earthquake. He shook the shells. He broke them free from their chains. And not only did he break them free, he saved the jailkeeper and he saved the family and they had an encounter with Jesus Christ as their savior. And we see this in Acts 16, 25 to 26. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Now, amazing, a suddenly, an immediately, as they were praying and singing hymns to God. There's a lot of other things I would maybe choose to do in prison as I'm shackled and chained and unrightfully put there, but they chose to praise God and his miracles were released. Those suddenlies and those immediatelys become possible when we praise our creator. And you know what? Like I said, I would love if that happened every time, my instant situation. So know that it is possible. But there's something else that I know and have seen in scripture and by walking alongside of people and living out my own life that even if it doesn't happen immediately, it certainly changes you. The miracles still happen on the inside of you immediately and suddenly. That the grace and the power and the love of God, it will change our stress and our challenges and our situations. And we give it the opportunity to change when we praise If you are writing notes, write this down. Praise is the pathway to freedom. Praise is the pathway to freedom. Now, before I, I, weeks before I started preparing this message, I'd been studying in my own time the book of of Habakkuk. And it's such an interesting story because basically 
everything bad was breaking loose. Like everything evil, like the society was awful, doing awful, evil things against God's instruction. And the beginning of this book is Habakkuk going like, what's going on? You had a promise for your people. This is not cool. This is stressful. I do not like this. And eventually he moves to Habakkuk 3, 17 to 19, which I will read to you. So after all of his questioning God and what's going on, he says this, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, which in their terms is, even if I have no food. And he says, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, which is another of saying, even if I have no income. So if I have no food, if I have no income, Habakkuk then says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on high hills. Amazing. You know, no food, no income. That is some stress. And I've had a Habakkuk moment in my life fairly recently. And some of you know my story. Some of you know parts of it. Some of you know details. Some of you don't know anything. But in 2020, I encountered some stress. (laughs) I lost my job out of the blue. And it cut our household income by 60%. I just want you to think about your house right now. And if you lost 60% of your income, what would that feel like? Within six days of that, we lost a baby. And the months, four months, give or take, leading up to my job loss were awful. Awful. I was going through wrongful accusations by the people I was trying to lead, Um, attacks on my character that I never thought would even be possible for somebody to say about me, let alone try and threaten my life with. There was, to me, no greater weight in the world. And I am not a stressed person. I am not an anxious person. I'm not a depressed person. It is just not my jam. Most things I come about in life, I'm like, yeah, I can take it in stride. I can handle it. I can move along. But those months in 2020 almost broke me. I would be playing with Levi, our now four-year-old, but he wasn't even two at the time. I'd be playing with him and In the mornings, I didn't start work till noon because I'd work till nine, and we'd just be playing, and it'd be sunny outside, and we'd be laughing, and out of nowhere, I would start to cry. I would start to lose my breath. I felt like something was sitting on me, and I couldn't breathe. It was overwhelming, these anxiety attacks that came out of nowhere. But it was stress. It was heavy awful, and I've never felt so out of control in my whole life. Yet in that season, I have never felt as close to God. I had two choices. I knew it in that moment. I had two choices. I could get angry and isolated and go down that pit, or I could press into God. 
And often, I couldn't even pray during that time. But I could turn on a song, and I could praise God. And those moments of praise were the only moments where I would feel the weight lift off of me. Where hope would come into my heart, and clarity would start to flood my mind. Now, it was almost... This was a journey of almost nine months by the time I finally felt a release from the weight of the stress. But little by little, every time I came to God praising him, like Habakkuk saying, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength. I felt more sure in my steps. Like it says, he will make my feet like deer's feet. Those are sure steps. My perspective started to get elevated to a higher place. He said, he will make me walk on high hills. And that is just what he did. Praise by praise, God healed my heart. He strengthened my character. He worked the situation out. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't easy. But on the other side of it, I am whole. And I often ask myself, what would have happened if I didn't praise? What would have become of me if I didn't choose that? I, want, I almost guaranteed I would still be broken under the weight of the stress. I know in that season, Josiah and I were given a word that we've clung on to, but it's from Isaiah 61. Three and seven. And it says, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. This word was given in the darkest time of my life to date. As I've said, the stress was overwhelming. But only God can take a circumstance like we went through, and I went through in 2020, and turn it into something beautiful. And my praise was a gateway for this coming to life. It positioned me for it to receive from him. And you know, this verse is what was what Elia's name was birthed out of. Her full name is Elia Oaks. And Elia means God has answered my prayers. And during that dark time, we would just say, Lord, we praise you. Lord, can you please turn this, these ashes into beauty? Lord, can you give us joy instead of mourning, praise instead of the despair? And he answered our prayers. As we were mourning the loss of one baby, he gave us something even more beautiful. And it says, they will be called oaks of righteousness, planted for my glory. And that's what this is. It's that promise of, hey, we praised you. We stuck with you, Lord. And on the other side of it, we, you not only answered our prayers, but you get the glory for all that was done through that situation. He knew that if we would just praise him and allow him to heal us, that the burden of stress would be released 
And I know that's a promise for you too, that he will take a situation that seems burned up in your life and turn it beautiful. He will give you joy instead of mourning when people or things die in your life. He will take that thing that you would normally grieve and turn it into joy. You can praise him instead of being disheartened in your spirit. And he gives a double portion of joy. How beautiful is that? The end of that verse, verse 7 says, instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. And one verse says, a double portion of everlasting joy and prosperity. Life is going to happen, guys. When we get fixed and focused on our situations and things, hope gets deferred. The weight of stress can burden us. Trust can waver. We can feel exposed to even more attacking us. But a tender conscience to the Lord that gives him all our adoration, it places us in a position of strength and hope and security and protection. That's what praise opens us up to. Who he is, his presence, his care, and his love above your stress or your situation. And this is why praise is so critical to our stress and our mental health. And it allows healing to take root rather than bitterness, anxiety, or feeling overwhelmed. Hebrews 13, 15 says, as I read this, the worship team can come up. But it says, therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Praise is often a sacrifice. The word sacrifice in this means to kill or slaughter for a purpose. For a purpose. That as we sacrifice, give a sacrifice of praise, there's a purpose to it. But praise often requires us to kill something in our life. Pride, fear, stress, anything that threatens to interfere with our worship. In the middle of suffering, struggle, burdens that weigh on your heart, we can rejoice. And we do not rejoice because of our situations. We do not rejoice because of success or achievements. We do not rejoice because trouble never came our way. We rejoice because when the fire and the stress come, he is with us every step of the way. We rejoice because of who he is. That's what praise can do in your life. Let me finish with one more encouragement from the word in 1 Peter 1, 6-9. It says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Or one version says, distressed by various trials. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Whom having, seen, having not seen you love, 
Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let us be a people who God will find praising within our stress. I want to invite you to stand. And we're going to practice praise. Maybe this is uncomfortable for you to do, but like Josiah said, let's do a new thing, believing that God will meet you there. That as we praise him about his faithfulness, I believe the song is about being in storms and praising him anyways. I'm believing that God will start to break off the stress or he will give you coping skills to walk through it. A God idea of this is the way you should walk. This is how you're going to overcome. So if you just bow your heads, I'm going to pray. Jesus, I thank you for your presence here. I thank you that we can praise and rejoice because you are good. You are faithful. That even when we go through hard things, that you are right there with us. And I'm just praying, God, that the Holy Spirit would minister to people right now in the name of Jesus. That those that need answers to what's weighing them down, Father God, that answers would come in Jesus' name. That you would, have, that you would do suddenlies and immediatelies in people's lives, breaking off the chains that have bound them in their stress and their anxiety. I thank you that you are good, Father, tender and gentle, and that you know each person here and what they need to have a beautiful story on the other side of what they're experiencing. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for the Thrive Church Podcast. We hope this message encouraged you, built your faith, and helped you thrive with God and thrive in life. We would love to see you on a Sunday soon, in person or online. You can get all the information at thrivecalgary.ca. If you would like to support a partner with Thrive Church financially, you can do so by going to thrivecalgary.ca and click the Give button. Know God is for you. We love you and have a great week.